This morning, speaking of offerings, I'm speaking on stewardship. Aren't you excited? But what I want to do is I want to help instruct you on how to be an extravagant giver, someone who knows how to release blessing from the Lord and is motivated and moved in generosity. That's the heart of the Father. And uh, I want to break off a religious spirit connected to the issue of tithing. We use the word tithes. In some churches, you hear the word tithe, and it, and it simply means offering. You know, give your tithes and offerings. But in others who study deeper into the word, the word tithe is literally an Old Testament concept that means 10%. It's a specific amount. And what I want to share with you is the reality of what the tithe was in the Old Testament, how it functioned, and how it operated, and how we're released in the New Testament to no longer operate under a tithe or percentage giving, but in fact, giving out of the benefits of Christ in the cross. There's a big difference here, and it's life-giving, and I want to share that with you this morning. So let me help you do that. I need to put my glasses on. All right, so first of all, let's understand uh, the tithing of the Old Testament. Uh, a bit of a teaching here this morning, all right? Um, I promise you'll get your money's worth. I... <laughs> Israel was a nation that God had set apart from all other nations. He was going to use this nation through the blessings of Abraham and the covenant of the patriarchs, Isaac, Jacob, to the twelve, who became tribes, now into a nation. And he had to establish a government in that nation to set them above all other nations so that they would be a light to the nations so all nations would know who's the God of Israel, Yahweh, he is the one. And he ordered a, a legal system, a theocracy. Everything was focused on worship and praise unto Yahweh, unto God. And so he established the boundaries and the borders of Israel as a promised land, promised to Abraham and promised now unto Israel. And in this promised land, there was a capital, a city called Jerusalem, the city of God. And in that Jerusalem, in the center of it was the temple. And that temple was where the presence of God abided. And God wanted his people to remember everything they had concerning that land and the fruit of that land comes from God. How many of you know everything we have is a gift from God to us? And that's what he was trying to get Israel to comprehend. You see, they didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit. They were a people who were dead under the trespasses of sin. The law showed that. It, it highlighted that fact. So they needed to keep being remember, reminded to come back to God, that everything God did for them was for their benefit and that he would bless them. He said that the land I'm giving you is a land of milk and honey, right? That's good. That'll make you fat. Milk and honey. What's the point about having a land full of milk and honey? Well, where, where does milk come from? Cows, livestock, goats. And so we, you're going to have a land that is beautiful for your livestock. Where does honey come from? Bees, and what do bees do? Pollinate. Your livestock and your agriculture will be blessed. A land flowing, the byproducts of agriculture and livestock, milk and honey. 
And so this land is going to be a blessing to you, and I need you to support it. And so it's an agricultural society, all right? We're an industrial society, now moving into a, a computer society, a, a digital society. And so at that time, agriculture was everything. That's how they lived and breathed. You know, some people never even saw cash or money. It was based on an agricultural system. And so based on the fruit of the land. And so tithing was to support and supply the ministry of God's temple so that God would be prevalent in people's minds and understanding. Regularly, whatever you sowed or reaped out of the land, you were to be grateful to God for. Right? How many of you thank God before you eat your meal? Yeah, you pray, God, whatever they did in that kitchen, clean it up and make it good for me, God. We thank you for our food. And so what God would do is bless the land. Now, in this system, God established particular tithes or offerings that were given to keep this theocracy functioning. At the center of the theocracy was the temple of God, and there was a group of people who ran that temple, the Levites. Everybody in the 12 tribes received a portion of land that they could have their livestock and agriculture on, except for one tribe, the Levites. It was their job to work in the temple. So if their whole time is working in the temple, guess what they don't have? Livestock and agriculture. In fact, God said this in Joshua, the tribe of Levi, Moses has given no inheritance, but the Lord God of Israel is their inheritance as he promised. They shall have no inheritance, Deuteronomy 18 says, among the Israelites, for the Lord is their inheritance. So the Israelites had, I'm sorry, the, the, the Levites had no land. And so what God decided to do was to have the tribes that had land tithe a portion of what their agriculture and livestock was to give it to the Levites who ministered in the temple so the temple kept ministering so that they could have sacrifice for their sin. And everybody would continually turn back to God for cleansing and forgiveness and give to the Levites so that they could keep this functioning. Does that make sense to you? It's a perfect system. But, so let's take a look at the tithe. So how does this tithe work? It was set up on a seven-year period. Remember, seven is that period of Sabbath. Sabbath was the covenant sign for Israel. On the seventh day, you're to rest. In the seventh year, your land is supposed to rest. In fact, that's why they ended up in Babylon, because they wouldn't give rest to their land. They kept trying to produce produce and livestock on their own instead of the way God told them to do it. I'm sure we don't have any of that problem here. So this was a system every seven years that would reboot and it would be set up. And in the sixth year, God would bless the agriculture and the crops, the livestock, in such a way that in the seventh year, everybody rested from their labors. No tithing in the seventh year. It stopped. You rejoiced at the goodness and favor of God. How about that? Amen? Some of you go and say, I'm like, yeah, when's that seven year coming for me? <laughs> so there were three tithes set up. 
The reason I want you to understand this is because tithing is such a mystery. We hear some preacher preach and say, you should tithe 10%. If you don't, then you're going to be cursed by God. And that does not flow over into the New Testament. And if you are going to say that we must tithe according to the Old Testament, then do it right. Because if you're going to use the blessings or cursings of tithing and not do it right, that's a dangerous thing. You know what? If you're supposed to be giving 10% of your finance to the church, we're in trouble because Barna did a recent survey where 87% of evangelical Bible-believing Christians give on average $10 a week to the church. That ain't tithing. That's rough. But you see, there's a real religious spirit over tithing where people are confused, they don't understand it. We just see it in a few verses I want you to understand the overview of how the tithe operated. There were three tithes that were to given uh, over the seven-year period. All right? The first tithe was called the Levitical tithe. I explained it to you. That is where, in fact, let me read it to you, Numbers 18. I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving in the tent of meeting. Let me repeat that again, okay? Numbers 18, 21. I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do in serving the temple. They don't have land. They don't have livestock. So the people were to set apart every year 10% of their agriculture and of their livestock and give it to whom? The Levitical priests. The Levitical priests were to take 10% of what they were given and give it to the Arianic priests who ministered. So it supplied the needs. In Leviticus it says this, 27 verse 30 and 32. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Every tithe of the herd and flock Every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. And who did it go to? The Levites who served in the priest. Now, guess what? It was never money. It was always agriculture. It was either crops, harvest, fruit trees, or it was animals and livestock. Why? It was to feed the Levites. That was the whole point of it. Okay, it wasn't money that they were bringing. It was agriculture. So God only wanted Israel to give from the resources of the land. As long as they were in the land, they were to tithe off the land to the priests so that the temple could operate and the presence of God could bless. And so they would always remember, it wasn't by your effort, but it was by God's provision. He gave you the crops and the, and the bounty. You were to bring a sacrifice to the Levites, 10%, and to God, giving him thanks for his provisions. And it worked cyclically, that as you produced the byproduct of what God gave you, and you give it back to him, and his, the rain falls, and the sun shines, and it creates a beautiful situation. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, if you're not in the land of God, you don't tithe. 
Judah was sent out into Babylon. Did they tithe in Babylon? No, because they didn't have crops and livestock in Babylon. They were out of Israel. Did they tithe to the Levites? No, they didn't have the temple. It was occupied by a foreign country. They did not tithe because they were not in the land. Tithing is for Israel. Bearing the fruit of the land to maintain the Levitical priesthood so that the temple operates and sacrifice and thanksgiving is flowing to God. That was the point of the tithe. So bankers, lawyers, blacksmiths, carpenters did not give a single penny of income towards tithing to the Levites. They gave offerings, free will offerings. Now, that's the first tithe. Every year, 10% is given to the Levitical priesthood. In the seventh year, the bounty was there. You didn't have to. Now, feast. The second is a feast tithe. You were to give every year 10% to a festival tithe. All right? That makes 20% every year. I'm just making it out, you know, letting you know. If you're, if you're going to tithe properly, we're up to 20% now. So, But this is interesting, the festival tithe, because God commanded that every Israelite male would go to Jerusalem three times a year. Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And they were to bring their family. And so he expected them to come so that they would enjoy the presence of God at the temple, be restored in God, and go back home, but come together as the people of God. Now listen to this about the festival tithe. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all your field's produce each year. Okay, that would include livestock too. Then he says this, eat the tithe of your grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he chooses to dwell his name so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. What was the festival tax to do? Get you to Jerusalem three times a year so you could thank God for his goodness and enjoy his presence. That tithe was yours. I'm not there yet. Let me preach it. <laughs> so they were to, I mean, if, if I asked you to come uh, in October, I need you to go somewhere. Half you wouldn't even start saving up for that till it was the day before. So he's telling them, you need to get here. So you're to tithe on your crops and harvest till, uh, so that you can get there. And why? And thank God and enjoy God in the presence of God. It was a tithe to save up that you received. And he goes on and he says this, but if the place is too far, too distant for you to bring your tithe and carry it with you, then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose, the place of the temple. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, fermented drink, anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. See, I mean, if... if if you can't bring your cows and your sheep and your, your uh, 
stacks of wheat and everything else to bring to the temple. It's too far of a trip. Exchange it for the money. Well, what am I going to do when I get there? Well, in the temple, they had established a place for you to buy your sacrifices that you're going to offer to God. In fact, how many of you remember Jesus turned over those money tables? Jesus was not angry that they had the sacrificial gifts to buy. That was what was supposed to happen. For those who had uh, come from a long distance and had the money, they were to buy the sacrifices and so forth. The problem Jesus has is they set it up in the court of the Gentiles so the nations could not participate in coming into the presence of God, as well as them selling uh, and cheating people out of their money. That's what the problem was. So, here they are, there to bring either their cash, their money, based on their 10% that they had, and to go, because... You know, many times the sacrifice, we even get this confused. There was sacrifice for sin where there would be burnt offerings and so forth. But there were also thanksgiving offerings and sacrifices. And when you gave those sacrifices, they would sacrifice them, your sin forgiven, or it was a thanksgiving, and you would have your family there, and you would get the meat back, and you would have a great feast, thanking God for his provisions. We're talking barbecue here, folks. It was a good thing. And so God came together, brought the people together, and you were continually grateful for what God was giving you and giving that 10% was to get you there and enjoy Him and 10% to the Levites so they could do what they were doing. Amen? Now we have a third tithe. This came every third year, and it was for the poor. Let me read this to you in Deuteronomy 14, 28. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your town so the Levites, uh, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widows who are within those towns can come and eat and be filled and bless the Lord your God through your hands at what you were able to do for them. Now, that's every three years, so the third year you're to take another 10% and give it to the poor in the town, and they would be thankful to God. And then again in the sixth year, you did it again. So that for every year, if you look at tithing, for every year you're at 23.5% per year, okay? So for everybody that's under this 10% idea, that's actually not what is to be given it's 23.5 percent i mean if you're going to be that accurate and you're going to follow the law of the old testament you've been doing it wrong and if you're going to use the curses in the old testament upon people who don't tithe their full 10 percent then everybody who's not given 23.5 percent is going to be under that curse and i'm telling you it's not new testament Because Jesus fulfilled everything. We don't have a temple anymore. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't need a priesthood anymore. You're the priesthood of the the kingdom of God. We don't need a high priest. He is the high priest. We don't need a sacrifice. He is the sacrifice. He fulfilled all things and everything necessary that we have need of. 
God is the one who provides all our needs. You see, Israel was supposed to be a light, and when Messiah came, he completed their job and now called a new temple into all the world, a new priesthood and a new company of people to spread this word, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of all. Amen? He didn't bring the Old Testament tithe into the New Testament. It is a new way of a new system. And so we're not trying to teach the people in Guyana and the people in Australia and the people in China how to function under an Old Testament Israeli law. What we're trying to teach them is a New Testament kingdom. Let's take a look at that New Testament view of giving. We'll set it up as Paul does quite simply. He says this in 1 Corinthians 16, 1-3. Now concerning the collection for the saints. Who's it for? Saints. saints. As I directed the churches of Galatia, so also I direct you. On the first day of every week. What's the first day of the week? Sunday. Yeah. Saturday's the seventh day, the Sabbath Sunday is the first day of the week. It's the day Jesus rose from the dead and we celebrate the resurrection day. On the first day of the week, each of you is to put 10% aside and store it up. No, that would be the, the place where he's going to tell you exactly what a tithe is. So right here it says this. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something. That's rather vague. You're supposed to put what? Okay. Something aside and store it up. All right. We'll we'll go from there. We're supposed to put something aside. Okay, so every week we're supposed to put something aside and we store it up. We say that we use it for the function and the purpose that it's supposed to be used for. Ah, but it's as you may prosper. So I'm thinking that something should change as you prosper, that something should increase. Does that make sense? Yeah. As you may prosper. So you know what else is kind of nice? There are times, how many of you have ever been down and out a little bit on your finances? You think God understands that? or No, no, no. You don't give your 10%. You're out. No. As you prosper, as you move, you are to give. So that there will be no collecting when I come. In other words, it's stored up and it is used for the purpose and the function of the church and to spread the gospel and for the use among the saints. He goes further in his next letter to the Corinthians and he says this, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each one must give as he has been demanded by the Old Testament to give. Each person must give 10%. Now wait. Each one must give as he has what? Decided. Decided. Out of what? His heart. heart. What's the new motivation? The law? The heart. Why? Who resides in here now? Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Listen, we got to get out of religion. 
and into the flow of the Holy Spirit. Even our finances should flow out of the unction of the Holy Spirit. How He directs us, how He tells us, and how we, where to move. And as you're in touch with Him, God will tell you what to give, how to give, when to give, who to give, and to flow. We're to do this regularly each week, but we're to decide in our own hearts between us and who? God. Not the preacher on TV. But look at, look at the qualifications here. We're not to give how? Reluctantly. What does that mean? I, I have an illustration for this. Reluctantly. When I was growing up, uh, my mom would give me offering for the offering plate as a kid. Right? Because they taught us to give an offering. So uh, I remember this one time it was my birthday. So my mom gave me the offering and she said, here's a few, a couple extra coins for you. You can get some candy. We had a penny candy store down the street. Uh, some of you don't understand that. There used to be stores <laughs> where you could buy candy for a penny. It's amazing. Uh, so I remember as a kid, so we were given our collection and I went up to the plate and I had my, pulled out of my pocket all my coins and I, I picked a few and I put it in the plate. And Miss Badoon, she was my Sunday school teacher, she said, well, what about the rest of that? And I said, that's for me. That's candy money. She said, don't you want to give that? And I said, no. I was reluctant to give up my candy money. I wasn't listening to the Holy Spirit or anything else. My mom said I could go buy candy. Reluctant. We shouldn't be reluctant in our giving. See, if we're under pressure, if we're under this sense that if we don't give enough or if I don't give enough, I mean, I have a group of people sitting in front of me today. I could tell you there's a percentage of you right now that thinks that God is not pleased with you because you haven't hit the 10% mark in your giving. And that is not true whatsoever. It is not true. It's not the law. It's your heart, what flows out of your heart. I want you to learn how to be such a generous and joyful giver that so maybe this week you're tight on bills, something else came up, I don't know. Whatever you give, don't be reluctant. Give what you can give. God will bless you because that's the kind of father we have. Amen? So it's, it's covered on both sides, our reluctance but also compulsion. You're not to give under compulsion. And when I listen to prosperity preachers or when I listen to certain guys on TV who tell you that if you would give, God will press down, shaking together, overflowing, give back to you 30, 60, 100 fold. Pour it into your life. I'm telling you one thing I've been given since I've been seven years old and I should have a lot more money than I got. But you see, we don't measure the blessings of God in cold cash. Imagine trying to put this on the Chinese believers who are in house churches, underground churches that don't have any cash to their name and they're supposed to tie 10%. The churches in Africa and South Africa, they barely got enough money put together. They got one set of clothes that they washed on Saturday to get to Sunday for church, wear it all week long, and you're trying to give 10% of what they got to the bucket? It doesn't compute to nations and across the board. Give what you can, but not under compulsion. 
By the way, check out the verse, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. It has nothing to do with money. It has to do with how you treat other people. And how you treat them will come back to you. You'll have relationships and friendships. That's what's rich and valuable. 30, 60, 100 fold back is God's got something greater than the, the economy of this world. God's got love, joy, peace, goodness, mercy. He's got the gifts of the Spirit. He's got blessings to come back into your life, which money can't buy. This would have been the perfect spot for him to say what each of you should give now is 10%, but he doesn't. He, it's changed because the law has been put into the heart motivated by the Spirit now. We're not supporting a temple or a Levitical team. We are now giving out of the kingdom of God. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, because why? God wants it issuing out of your heart as a cheerful gift. Amen? That word in the Greek for cheerful is hilaros. We get the idea of hilarious, joyful. Yahoo! It's time for an offering. Because you're giving in the right place at the right time to the right people. So this is what governs. Paul says it's required of stewards that they be found faithful. What are we stewards of? Money? Well, yeah, but basically we're stewards of everything that is in our lives. We were bought with a price. We're no longer our own. The price was his blood. And so what am I a steward over? My time, my talent, my treasure, everything I own belongs to God. I'm supposed to measure out 10%? No, 100%. Give to God what He's calling you to give when He's calling you to give it. All we have as far as instruction is on the first day of the week, come together, give your finance so that this church can function and operate. But evaluate what you're giving your money to. Are we giving money to, to, to a ministry that its whole goal is to have bigger buildings and, and, and more furniture? No, our gifts is to give so that this gospel reaches the nations. Why the 10%? Well, the 10% is a great place to start. If you've been given 10%, that's wonderful. You're, you're going to leave here going, I'm doing that too long. <laughs> no, 10%, 10 represents the whole. You've got 10 fingers. It represents your whole hands. It represents who you are. But you see, everything in the, in the New Testament shifted out of law, rule, and order into life yeah. of the Spirit so that we give out of the life that's flowing in us by faith. Everything in the New Testament operates by faith. So our giving isn't based on percentage, it's based on faith. Ten's a good place to start. If you can't do it, fine. Start at two. Set in your heart what you're deciding to give for the year, and each week do your best to give it. As you give it, you will feel joy. You'll be rejoiced because you're getting your finances in order. Get your house in order. Just like God told the Israelites, you've you got to come up to Jerusalem. Get this house in order so that we can get you here. Set your house in order, your finances, so that you're serving the kingdom of God first. Everything else will be added to it. Get your money in order, but do it by faith. All giving in the New Testament is by faith. 
So those of you that have been giving 10% for the last 30 years, God bless you. You've arranged your, your, your finances to do that easily. But are you giving out of faith? So you've been given 10%. Oh, I'm good. I've been measuring it. Well, I just told you today it's 23.35. If you're going to go under that law. No, you give by faith. If I've been given 10% the last 10, 15 years, my faith challenges me to go to 12. Go to 13. Go to 15. Some of you, maybe you should be at 25% because God is by His Spirit telling you to do that. I don't know. It's between you and Him. Okay, so it is a faith effort and it motivates our giving. But one thing is for sure that everyone here, I want you to understand. See, this, this whole tithe operating thing, this thing that if you give to God, he'll give back to you. And if you don't give to God, you'll be cursed because you're robbing God. You need to understand one thing in the New Testament. Every blessing you receive isn't based on your obedience or disobedience, it's based on what Jesus did at the cross. You think you're going to get something back because you gave something. I'm telling you, our God is so good, He'll give you whether you give or not. He is good. He'll watch over His children. Even if you fail Him, He still gives. God watches and protects. There is no blessing that's based on obedience. Oh, you'll be blessed by obeying because you're in relationship. But if God meets out His favor based on your cash flow of what you gave to Him, we'd all be in trouble. It's because of the blood that was spilt at the cross that you and I receive any benefit from God. Now, because of that benefit and because of that blessing, I'll give as God calls me to give. I've had situations where God told me to give. I didn't want to. I did a speaking engagement at the, a pastor's retreat. They asked me to speak, and I, and I met a missionary there from West Germany, and, and, and I was moved by his ministry, and the Lord said, give him whatever they're going to give you this week. Did, did I hear that right, Lord? But Lord, I don't know what they're going to give me. Good. So I wrestled with that the whole week. Did I hear right? Are you sure? We kind of need this. I'm saving for something. When I finished the speaking engagement, I walk out and uh, I don't need to tell you how much, but they gave me a, a substantial amount of money. I thought, oh. I went home and Sign that check off and send it to that missionary. Because God told me to. That's what God had me do. Yeah, I didn't feel like applauding. <laughs> went through the whole year. Uh, that was the year my son and I went to South Africa. Uh, out of the blue, I was ministering in South Africa, and a pastor heard me, and he said, I want you to come preach on my church on that Sunday and preach that message you preached. I said, sure, okay. Got picked up in an SUV, got driven there, chauffeured there. Big church, man. It was awesome. Preached. Woo, this is great. Had my armor bearers, people giving me water, all sorts of stuff. I was something for a minute. <laughs> when I'm done, he gave me a bag. I'm serious. He gave me a bag of money. South African Rand is a little eight points less than the American dollar. So 
I had a bag. I went home. My son and I were counting up that money. Guess how much it came to? The same amount I gave away to that missionary. Hilarious, isn't it? (laughs) It's that kind of a thing. When you get engaged in the ministry of benevolence and giving into God, you're ministering into a relationship. It's not based on percentage. It's based on love, faith in Him. Give to Him. Support the work weekly. Do what you need to do to get your finance in order and be generous. And just because you give it an offering, someone on the street's going to be in need and you need to give to them if the Spirit tells you to give to them. And be available to God. This is the blessing of God. And finally, I'm going to share this last quote from John Wesley. He said this, It is not how much of my money will I give God, but how much of God's money will I keep for myself. That's how we live. That's how we live.